You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to part two of my scintillating conversation with Richard Hester, uh, the author of Whole Please, Stage Managing a Pandemic. I'm Tanya Pinkins, and you're listening to You Can't Say That on the Broadway Podcast Network. there when I was like five, six, or seven. We came back and lived in New Jersey for a long time. Where in New and Jersey? Then, because New Jersey is a lot of different countries. The, the, <laughs> the whitest part of New Jersey, the, like Wyckoff up in Bergen County. Okay. You know, upper middle class, enough money, not Newark. I mean, like Newark in 1983 was, was basically like a war zone. It was just horrific. Um, I, I don't know how anybody survived living in Newark in, in those years. But so we would, the last time I went back, I was 17 or 18. We went back for the summer. And by then, I knew what was going on. Well, hold the, up. How do you get to know what is going on? You're, you're raised in a country where you're called master. You then go to another white enclave in New Jersey. How do you at 17 know what's going on rather than just going and getting a... AR-15 and killing, shooting up a bunch of people. How did you get to know what was going on? Well, because by that point, there was a lot of anti-apartheid demonstrations going on. Okay. I was, and I was aware of them probably more than my classmates were because of my connection to South Africa. I was aware of what was going on in South Africa. And so I followed it. I knew what was going on. My friends, Jablani and Nkosinkulu, and uh, in Kulu's younger brother, Marva, all three of them are dead. Two of them by gun violence, Jablani by AIDS. And Jablani was maybe 20, 22. And in Kulu and Marva were like 16 or 17. So uh, it, all of that very much touched me. I was aware of the gun violence that killed in Kulu and Marva were from them demonstrating. And in a weird sort of way, my mother and grandfather put all three of those kids through school. And the, in a way that they probably, without that support, never would have been able to do. They went to university. They were smart. Part of that education made them active. And they fought the good fight. 
and they personally lost it, but they helped that country become what it is now. So my question is, you speak about them with a, with a feeling, with a sense of feeling that is very different than your five-year-old self, because a five-year-old, they're just sort of objects. But by the time you're 17 or so, you have another kind of feeling with them. Tell me about that. I don't, you know, this is is sort of weird. Like we always wonder like black women raise little white children who grow up and are cruel to them. So tell me what, what, what was the shift in you this from the five-year-old you to actually experiencing them as humans, family, people? I don't know what shifted. I, I don't know where that shift happened. We would write back and forth occasionally. I became fascinated by that struggle. I am always interested in history happening as we're living it. Mm. I mean, you and I, in our years, have lived through some sort of monumental historical times. Yeah. And, you know, my parents, on top of that, go back through even more monumental historical times. You know, Black women being able to vote just didn't happen that long ago. Yeah, it's remarkable. And so I I became aware of all that. And I think I started looking at my friends in South Africa as friends and not as objects. It wasn't until really later on, I think, that some of those episodes came back to me and I started really facing up to the kind of what my life was. And was Uh, it painful for you? I ask you because we, you know, we had the anti-CRT movement was it hard for you to recognize that you had been a colonizer and, you know, cruel and abusive? Did you suffer for that? Or was it, what was that no. like? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was looking at that, realizing what the legacy I had been born into was. I will never be able to apologize for it because they've died. I will never be able to make amends to that. And that's my own fucking problem. I, I'll carry that and that's fine. Whatever. That, that, yeah, but what? I, first of all, this is all like new history to me. I would never, if someone had like asked me to bet, like what was your background, this would not have been it. But I feel like, you know, in the same way that you staged managed a pandemic, you might have a future in stage managing the future of young white children who are not getting to learn the truth because they're being told that they're, it's, they're too sensitive to know the truth, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, 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 the snowflakedness of our society is just kind of making me insane. By the way, your movie is spectacular. Oh, thank you. When you all drive up to that town with that sign on the edge of the town, it's just as bad as the woman in the Friday the 13th movies who's like alone in the house. And you're like, get out. Exactly. <laughs> Don't drive any further. But this they is do. The beginning of, this they is do. the first scene in the movie. It's not getting any better. Exactly. 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 It's like everything that we all do all day. Like there's the sign. Don't go any further. But they do. But they, but do. they do every single time. <laughs> but they do. But they do. Yeah. And I, I you know, and then I, I, I'm now making this up. But it seems to me that in your career, you have always been cast as incredibly strong women, and sometimes those women are, I don't want to say not people, but I'm thinking of like your character in Madam Secretary, who's who's sort of in charge, 
what I loved about what you did in the movie is you presented yourself as a person, as an ordinary, vulnerable person. And I don't know that the industry has allowed you to be that very much. And I, I really was moved by that. I thought, I thought you took care of yourself in that movie so beautifully. The, the shots of your face and the ease at which your face was just there. That's my takeaway from the movie. Well, thank you for that, Richard. You know, that's very, that is a very high compliment. And it's an interesting thing because making that movie changed my life. And you sort of think you get better and you show people how good you are. And now they're going to give you opportunities. But then I think, have you worked with George Seawolf? No. Never? No. You have that to look forward to. He will ruin you forever. George says people don't want your brilliance. They want you to put your brilliance on their stupidity. And yeah. I think like, oh, oh, people see how good I am. And then they're like, can you do put your goodness on my thing? But no, we're not going to help you do your goodness. So there's this place of me going, okay, if I want to do things that are exciting to me or interesting to me, I really do have to do it for myself. Because nobody else is thinking of me in any way other than as a tool for them. Absolutely. I'm in a lot of ways in that place with stage managing. Mm. I, I know I'm good at what I do. And I know I can save anybody a lot of trouble and a lot of money if they hire me. But I'm kind of in the place now, well, that's great. But if I'm going to invest in your project you're going to have to pay me. You're going to, and not even payment in terms of cash dollar amounts, but you're going to have to, you know, I'm going to need to be a royalty participant. I'm going to need, and if you don't want to do that, then I just don't need to do your project. I understand because you put so much into the project. You're building someone else's castle. And at the end, they have a castle. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and you're and, looking for the next person to let you build their castle. Yeah. And my, I, I, I kind of, you know, when someone asks me, what is my job? If you think of Downton Abbey, my job is to be Mr. Carson, the head, the person who runs the downstairs. I can have opinions about how things are run. I can run everything down there. But at the end of the day, not my house. It's just not my house. And I think, and I'm sure you felt this on your film too, the book was my house. I could do whatever I wanted in it. And it feels to me in a way that you and I had a similar experience with making that. I'm well aware of, I've followed your career, even though we haven't actually worked together. I'm well aware of all of the, what you've tried to do in terms of sticking up for yourself and how that's been perceived sometimes and all of that. And there's an enormous freedom in just kind of going, okay, then I'm going to do it myself. And here it is. So do you want to direct? Uh, weirdly, I, I, I directed a lot of companies of Jersey Boys, even though it was Des Mackinoff's direction, I kind of restaged everything. Uh, I, I enjoyed doing that. I'm much more interested in editing than directing. In other words, I'm much happier. The karate kid that I'm working on now, the director is Amon Miyamoto, who directed the revival of Pacific Overtures that was on Broadway like 12 or 13 years ago. He's a Japanese director. He's not worked in New York very much at all. 
He's fascinating. He's really good. He is truly kind. And I'm like, well, I'm not sure. I've, I, I've worked with a lot of directors that I really respect, but kind? I'm not sure I've ever worked with one that I would say is kind. Graziella Danielle is kind. Yes. I, 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 will, I will give Grazie kind. But, but it's, it's a rare, rare thing. And so I'm happy to do that, but I don't need to sage manage anymore. And so, and I don't know if I'm going to come to New York with it at all, um, because I don't know if they're going to agree to what I'm going to ask for. And that's fine. I ran into a stage manager friend of mine who's our age, and we were rehearsing at Open Jar in New York. And I said, you know, I used to think I wanted to like have a heart attack and drop dead at the call desk. And he looked at me and he said, six years, five months, 27 days. It's like, retire. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm right there with you. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And, and I'm, I have no interest in stopping working, but, but for me, what the work will look like might be writing. And that doesn't necessarily pay enough, but I'm fine with that. Yeah, but you should probably have a good pension by now. Yeah, yeah, I, I, my pension's fine. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, <laughs> so you love the writing, and I bet you got a whole lot more stories because you had to reduce 1,400 blogs into 500 pages. So I bet you have a lot more stories to tell. I, I think I do. And I'm the, the project, when my father ultimately retired, and he didn't retire until well into his 80s, he needed something to do. And so my sister and I told him to write his memoirs. And he wrote everything that he was doing. He, he, went, he wrote a, kind of an essay on each family member that he could remember. And he, he was in World War II. He fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He, I, I'm in the middle of reading what he wrote about that. So I've got about two or 300 pages of what he wrote. And what I think I want to do is write about what my father wrote about, but in terms of my own personal experience. And to give you an example, my father fought in the Battle of the Bulge and his infantry division was one of the first divisions that went into the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp at the end of the war. He was 21 years old. And you look at history and you I don't think you think about the fact that the people who were fighting in that war were babies. I've got a cast of 21-year-olds in Karate Kid, and I look at them and go, wow, 
you could literally be in a foxhole watching your friends get blown apart. And I think what I want to write about is the history of my father and everything that he went through, but in terms of making it understandable in a real way. So is that your next book? I mean, is your father still alive? My father passed. He, he passed about 10 years ago. Okay. I'm still trying to figure out how to do this, but I think I'm going to do the same thing that I did with the, with the first book and write a bit each day and publish it. I like it. And, and see, and, and, you know, because going back to Charles Dickens, he wrote a chapter each day and published it in a magazine. And then it, once he finished the story, then he made the book and then he right. sent it out. Serialized so I, it. There's something about being accountable for getting something out every day that I think I, that I like. And certainly it, it all gets edited at the end and rearranged and all of that. But I, I think uh, th- that's, that's what's been percolating in my head. Wow. Now, how long have you been married? Michael and I have been together for 16 years and married for six. Married for six. Oh, we're living in a strange time. We are really living in a strange time. And I look at what's going on and I don't know how much longer the government is going to let us do that. Right. That's very real. The interesting contrast that I see in the world right now is you've got this generation of young people who are like, you know, I don't want to be an intern. I want to give an, I want a title and you can't touch my shoulder and you can't touch my the leg and you get fired. And, oh my God, you're traumatizing me. You can't talk about this. And I'm of two minds. I'm like, no one should ever be mistreated. I think that, you know, that's important. And then on the other hand, I'm like, uh, you all need to toughen up and, when the Republicans take over in the midterms, all of that stuff, you will get locked up. <laughs> talking about stuff like that. You're just going to get locked up, okay? They're not playing. They're no. not playing. They genocided up thousands of peoples to take this country. They are ready, willing, and able to do it again. That's what your movie is about. When you drive down the street and you see a whole bunch of crazy looking people standing out in front of their houses with weird t-shirts on, believe them. Believe people when they show you who they are. There, there are definitely, we, we, are in for a, a, we are in for a lot of hurt. And that is why I started making some optional plans because I, I get it. I get it. I don't have that kind of optimism. Like I'm clear that all my intellects and my science and my facts will not stop a bullet from an AR-15. Absolutely. (laughs) I wish they would show us the pictures of those children's bodies. I would like one parent to do that for us. It should be on the front page of every newspaper. We need to see that. I think that that would be the end of them forever. That, that, uh, I, I will say that that girl who smeared the blood of her friend over herself uh, is something that I will truly never get over. I I will never. And and I think of myself not getting over it. And I think, what is the rest of her life going to be? She going to be strong. She is a victorious personality. That's, that's a victorious personality right there. She didn't go, Oh my God, I'm in trouble. She was like, okay, let me play dead. (laughs) You're right. You know, 
And, you know, it's funny you said that because I've been sharing this um, video of a little girl, beautiful little white girl who's taken in to see some adults and to give them lockdown training. And it's really sad and painful. And I thought, hold up, Tanya. It's sad and painful because this little white girl is doing it. But black people, indigenous people, they got to do that every day, not just to go to school, just if you're going to encounter a police officer, if you're walking down the street. And I thought, this is what colonization has done. Yes, it is terrible that children have to go to school and prepare to die. But there are people all over the world who that's there every day. People in Syria, people in Gaza, their every day is prepare to die. Every day. I worked on the Donna Summer musical. I love that musical. It's fabulous. Well, and the cast was spectacular. I had never been around that many black women before in my entire life. And uh, one of my uh, one of the other stage managers that I was working with was of color. And of course, the, that's ridiculous cast. So Ari Groover, who, you know, was Wiggate in Tina, she's five foot tall if she's an inch. Ari Groover got stopped by the police in Port Authority. We were working right down at Signature. We were rehearsing down there. Got stopped for nothing except being Ari Groover. My, the assistant stage manager, Dee Daniels, was late to rehearsal one day because she was rushing through Port Authority and got stopped by the police because there was a black woman rushing through Port Authority. I have, everyone in the cast had stories like that. Ari got stopped at least twice during that rehearsal. That was four weeks of rehearsal, as far as I know. Ari Groover. There is nothing in Ari Groover but love. There's, and there's nothing in D that, but love either. There's, all they saw was a rushing Black woman that can't have been good in their eyes. And it, it, that was a truly eye-opening experience. A tall white guy never stopped ever in my life, ever. And that's, I am so aware that when I wrote this book, it was very much my story, my point of view. I have enough, I had enough money to get by. I was comfortable. I lived on the Upper West Side. I'm a tall white guy. I guarantee that my experience is in the incredible minority of people that went through that pandemic. I don't even question it. More than anything, that's kind of what I worried about. It's like, oh, why is anyone going to care what the old white guy has to say? I tried to express what I thought and leave room for the dis- for discussion around it. It's always my opinion and never what I'm throwing out there as fact. And my opinion over the course of the book changes as the world changes. And as I kind of figure out things that I thought, I kind of go, oh, I get it. Like the whole idea of defund the police. My initial reaction was, that's crazy. That's, that's crazy town. Then when you actually hear what you listen to what the arguments for defunding the police are and what it actually means, you go, well, that's just a marketing problem because that's a terrible thing to say. It's absolutely what's being advocated for in there is long overdue. Yeah, and I'm going to abolish the police, which I know is just so radical that that's just thought of as insanity, but it's the Overton window. You got to go abolish the police to even get to defund the police. Absolutely. I, I feel the same thing about guns. Absolutely repeal the Second Amendment. That's what we should be fighting for. It's not going to happen, but then we'll at least get some of it. Right. It's right. like it's like a negotiation. Start out with as much as you can possibly get and be willing to come down. And the, the, the Republicans know that and they work that 
better than anybody. And they're really masterful at taking the language of the left. The left has moved pretty right, but taking that that language and weaponizing it against the very people who came up with it in the first place. So yeah, I'm like, I'm defund the police. I mean, Uvalde, 40% of their town budget is police. If every single one of those police officers, except for the one man whose wife died inside of there because they wouldn't let him go in, if they don't all lose their jobs, there's just no, there's just nothing right in the world. And I know they're not going to lose their jobs and there is yeah. nothing right in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That was such a failure of what the, the people who are pro-guns, you know, guns in the hand of a good person, if the police officers couldn't do it, what would arming the teachers have done? Not couldn't do it, chose not, not to. to do it. It's not that they couldn't, they had on vests. That story needs to be replayed over and over and over because everything that the Republicans say, it, that story proves that they were wrong. They were Absolutely. Wrong. They were wrong. They were wrong. There's this beautiful quote I found yesterday that I that I want to that I want to share. And it says on the other side of the wall, it seems that there's another sort of toxic masculinity, a platoon of armed and trained men who had evidently come to rely so heavily on guns and armor in lieu of courage and strength that they found themselves bereft of the latter courage and strength when outdone in the former. Instead, they were beset by cowardice, evidently as evidenced that the shooter was that the gun really does make the man and that outgunned, they were as good as outmanned. Wow. Yes. That's fantastic. And sad. And a remarkable indictment against everything that we're currently living with. It is so lovely to talk to you, Richard. I think we could do this forever and ever and ever, and we must just do it again just for the sake of doing it. But you're in St. Absolutely. Louis. You know I own land in the Slozarks. Oh, do you really? I do, down in Miller County. Oh, wonderful. co-own about 70 acres down there and spend oh, a lot of time down there. I've been able to drive around during our days off and stuff like that, and uh, some of the land around here is just truly beautiful. It's beautiful. Where we are is about four hours out of St. Louis. So, you know, you'd have to go and probably stay overnight, do it on a, you know, a day off, but it's real beautiful. It's beautiful country. It's beautiful, beautiful country. So the book again is Hold Please, Stage Managing a Pandemic. It's got great stories in it. I mean, I've learned so much from you today, Richard. It is, you know, it's so funny. Every time I see you, it puts a smile on my face. I put you with Just Say No, but it's A, my name is Alice. <laughs> and your whole history has been a revelation to me. I would have thought you were raised by some, you know, some hippies. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were Master, Master Richard. Master Richard. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is just crazy. <laughs> and you see that little bit of the little prince, whatever one of the little prince demons, Kate's little prince. She was, he was smacking her in the face and covering her mouth the other day. <laughs> I think that, that child shouldn't be taken out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. And everybody needs to get Hold Please, Stage Managing a Pandemic by Richard Hester. You're listening to Tanya Pinkins. You can't say that on the Broadway Podcast Network. 
Thanks for listening to You Can't Say That, the show where you can. I'm Tanya Pinkins, and You Can't Say That is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, with music by Kat Dale. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast highly wherever you stream. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Tanya Pinkins. And to learn more, visit bpn.fm forward slash YCST. Stay safe. This is Tanya Pinkins. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.